I'm Mike Buttle and welcome along to Programme 5 in my series on the Isle of Man's Heritage Railways. Over at the north end of the promenade in Douglas is something rather wonderful, the Manx Electric Railway. Built and opened 130 years ago, the MER, as it's known, still serves the east coast of the island between Douglas and Ramsey. It also connects with the Snaefell Mountain Railway at Laxey. This island treasure was absolutely pioneering in the use of electricity to power public transport and boasts the oldest regularly operating tramcars anywhere in the world. It was built, like the once rival steam railway network, primarily to move thousands of holidaymakers. That said, it did also dabble in transporting goods and livestock, with various vans and wagons provided to fulfil this need. Up until 1975, it even collected letter posts from trackside post boxes. During the next 25 minutes or so, I'll take a look at the formation and opening of the electric railway and speak to some of the people who know it well, either through work or as passengers and enthusiasts over the years. So let's take a journey along the line. Nowadays, you buy your ticket from the modern booking counter inside the horse tram depot, but until recently, the original little booking kiosk was still in use. Harry Jones was station master here 40 years ago and remembers just how busy it could be. Yes, uh, thanks, Mike. It was a uh, very, very busy actor. I started there in 1982 down the booking office. I'd done two years um, as a motorman and a conductor before that, so I knew what you know the situation was. Still quite a lot of people coming here, you know, lots of people. Um, and you'd see the horse trams were very, very busy. They would bring, you know, one horse tram would come in. By the time everybody got the tickets and got themselves seated, another horse tram would arrive. And there really was quite a busy sort of transaction going on there with that. Um, <laughs> on the horse tram side, you had Bobby Gellin and uh, Alec Corris was the joiner there. And, of course, it was uh, Mr Wilson Gibb was the manager. Um, the, the whole lot was very it worked very well because Bobby would come over with change for us, we hadn't got change that time to go to the bank for change um, and Bobby would come over with bags of change you want, want, oh I thought yes, what have we got there Bobby 10 pence is alright, like, give us 20 quid of that, you know whatever. and it was like that, and we didn't even have a till the money was placed on the top of the wooden counter <laughs> through the hatch um, we were using Edmondson tickets, which are very, very popular. Uh, well, it's very useful because it they, they were quick to sell. That's why the Manx Electric Railway Company did obviously adopt them because, uh, you know, you'd out of that one, two, three, four, down on the counter, they would buy that. So the conductors were quick to clip them and they could be broke, break a journey for, um, you know, Garwick even, Crowdle and so on. While we were talking, Harry also had a brilliant story about one of the last sailings of the old steam packet boat, the Manxman. Oh, the Manxman, yeah. A very, very popular boat. I mean, you know, much reverence talked about today. But the last sailing, I think it was from Fleetwood, and it was a day trip from Fleetwood. And it was absolutely packed to the gunnels. And when she came in, the people were pouring off that. And, of course, they wanted to take the horse tram as well as the MER. They had time to do this up the mountain or go on to Ramsey, I think, as well. And... Uh, You'd be in rack one, I was in rack one, and I was watching my horse tram come in absolutely full. And the people would get off, they'd all go to the rack one and rack two, and then by the time they got served, another horse tram was pulling in full again. And I don't know, it went on for quite a while after it. We took a large number, because those days we were 
a bit over a thousand. Monday to Wednesday or sometimes Thursday, we had over a thousand passengers a day. Some days, 1,300. I also asked Harry about the rather antiquated telephone system that the MER used. Yes, we, we called it the bus phone. It was not to do with, with motor buses, it was the bus for everybody. And it was done with a series of rings. It was a hand generator which was on the end of the counter. We had a little wooden table where your kettle was kept. <laughs> there was a hand generator and then down in the corner there was a little Bakelite box with batteries in it. It's the post office, I think it was at that time, put, put in. And there was a, a, I don't think any of these have survived, a list with the numbers of uh, the code, like uh, the yard, was three short rings, three short rings, and then, you know, that, that, was, that was for the yard. They answer, you can have another car set down, please. Yeah, 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 uh, we've run out of shutter, uh, closed tra- you know, with, uh, trailers with shutters. We've only got a bulkhead, right, so that'll have to do. And uh, down it would come, and it was very very military precision operation <laughs> and if it was anything like the uh, the system on the steam railway you could earwig as well on the conversations could you that's correct yes you could you'd hear um i remember one day we were all working down gravel and somebody we heard um, the laxi because laxi station could call laxi substation even though it was only a few hundred yards away <laughs> and um, a certain character, a very good man, but I won't mention him by name, he'd say, oh, hang on, there's something going on here, let's go. <laughs> and as you quite rightly say, go on here, we can go and listen. Harry Jones, former Derby Castle station master. From the booking office to the workshops and tram sheds is but a short walk. But once you're inside the old powerhouse, you might think you've stepped back in time. The yard itself is watched over by the MER mascot, Tommy Milner. If you ever visit, look out for him high up in the wires. Joseph Rock is one of the new generation of railway engineers. I met up with Joseph at the old power room at the Derby Castle depot. The depot here at Derby Castle has rooms in it that quite frankly look like uh, it seems from Frankenstein's laboratory. How old is this equipment? Uh, a lot of it, stuff you see in the 1930s, thereabouts. Um, it's all the original DC switch gear. Um, after we switched from generating to the grid... They had uh, mercury art rectifiers, which aren't in place here now, but we've still got the switch gear up from up above. So it's all stuff from the pioneering days of electricity, basically, isn't it? Uh, yeah, um, I had a, a chap that had been down to the Titanic in one of the submarines, and he's telling me that the same switch gear is actually in the wireless room on the Titanic, made by the same manufacturer. How many uh, poles and miles of wires are there along the line, would you think? We've got over 900 there's 903 numbered poles plus we have a few extras in places where we've needed to change the route of the wire slightly uh, miles of wire probably 50 plus miles because each line's got its own wire and then there's a feeder wire up the middle and i can remember seeing pictures of uh, the wire cars and the maintenance uh, equipment is that all still done in-house yeah all the uh, overheads are still looked after totally in-house we've got a dedicated team based out at Laxey um, and the, a converted trailer with a scissor lift on to make it easy for them to get up there. What, what made you want to work on the trams then? <laughs> well, um, that's, that's every kid's ended up with their Thomas the Trank playset and all sort of thing and then uh, I ended up with a step uncle who started down the Laxey Mine Railway who took me along 
and then they met Andrew Scarf and well the rest as he says history <laughs> so what sort of jobs come up uh, what, what wears out on the trams most often day to day we do basic service and in the morning changing brake blocks changing trolley wheels and oiling them up before they go out in the morning just making sure they're safe generally and is there is there anything that given unlimited money you'd really like to see restored to working order I've got yeah I've got my favourite number 30 out at Laxey she's never made it left the railway since she's arrived she never made it into the home field exodus so that's my my dream to get going one of these days maybe yeah hopefully given time might be by the time I retire (laughs) Joseph Rock telling how the electric railway is kept running we all love facts and figures did you know for instance that the brass trolley wheels on the trams revolve about 151,000 times on the journey from Douglas to Ramsey that's 2,000 times a minute or 33 times a second and they get very hot in the process We're following the story of the first section of railway to open as far as Gradle Glen in this programme. So without further ado, let's get on board tram car number one, built for the opening of the railway 130 years ago, and join motorman Jeff North to find out how it all works. On the electric you do a couple of seasons on the back as a conductor and then you'll progress to the other end and be taught to drive. To start with you've got the, the power controller, so you've got your forward forward and reverse switch which is the key and that allows you then to use the controller to put the power on this first five points you connect you connecting the motors to the line but on the first point most of the power is going through the resistor box which will get hot so you don't want to stay on that too long we then pass through two three four to five on five points all the motors have got full power they've got the full 550 volts but the share in it it's in they're in series so they've only got 125 volts each so it's fairly low power on five points the tram will happily run uphill and down dale without any problems now if you want more power because you're going up a hill you've got a load you see you've got a more power you cross over to six then once you cross over to six you put the motors into parallel so each motor then has 550 volts across it so it's a jumping power so you have to bring the resistor box back in so then that starts to heat up because the excess power that you're not using in the motors because like a car you can't just suddenly put it into high gear otherwise it'll stall when these stall they blow the auto which is like a shotgun going off on your shoulder and nobody wants that and you don't want that to happen so so you, you take your time so you put it onto six you put in lots of power in then so you take your time going seven eight nine on nine points all the resistors are out you've got full power now you can only leave it on nine points if it's actually got some work to do mm-hmm. so if it comes onto a level the motors will start overrunning or if it starts going there the motors will start to overrun so you've got to knock it back now you can only go from nine to five and you have to do it very quickly the golden rule with the controller is slow up fast down so from nine you can go to five or two off but you've got to do it quickly from anywhere else it's too off and you've got to do it quickly and then you've got the brake 
The brake serves two functions. The first function, the most obvious function, is to slow the tram down. The second function that we use it for is to tighten the suspension. And the truth of it is, if you've got a bit of track which is a bit rough, it's better to go over it fast with some brake on than to go over it slowly without, because the, the brakes on the wheels just tightens the suspension up, stops it from yawing about and swaying and swinging. Jeff North will catch up with him again in episode three. Construction of the electric railway began in 1893, with the first incarnation of the line connecting Derby Castle and Groudle Glen. But from the outset, the promoters had their sights set further afield. From the Arthurman Times, dated Saturday, April 1st, 1893, an application will be made to the Timble Court to introduce a bill to be entitled the Douglas and Laxey Coast Electric Tramway Act, 1893 which will seek to confer upon the company powers for the construction, maintenance and working of a line of tramway through the parish of Lonnon, from a point near the public road from Douglas to Laxey, a distance of 500 feet north of the Liverpool Arms Hotel to the village of Laxey itself, and for the compulsory purchase of lands required for the purposes of the said tramway, and for the levying of tolls, rates and duties in connection with the working of such tramway, and for the making of bylaws, and for all such other further rights and privileges as are usually granted to tramway companies. As 1893 went on, completion of the first phase neared. The Arthurman Times, dated Saturday, June the 24th, 1893, reported that, considering the engineering difficulties Mr Sunderson, the engineer, has had to contend with, rapid progress has been made with the electric tramway, which is being constructed from Derby Castle to Laxey. In the course of about a fortnight, the tramway will be completed as far as Gradle Glen and will be open for the remainder of the season over that length. It will offer visitors to Douglas one of the most delightful short excursions anywhere available. Gradle Glen, which has never been accessible to the public, will be open simultaneously with the opening of this portion of the tramway. The glen and the bay together form one of the most beautiful portions of the island. The Len Cohen, or Lonely Valley, which is part of this glen, is the only natural canyon in the country, and although small, can be compared with the great Californian canyons, it is charmingly picturesque. A lovely rustic walk following the tortuous windings of the stream has been carved out of the solid rock, and forms a most romantic path in this fern-covered ravine. At the edge of the glen, and at the side of the portion of the tramway which will be the terminus during the ensuing season, a new hotel is being built, which will be completed about the time the tramway is opened. Its situation is most charming, standing as it does at the very edge of a rocky cliff, thickly clothed with trees and surrounded by gorse and heather-clad hills. From the windows, a delightful view is to be had down the valley to Groudle Bay, and across the upland to Snay Fell whilst in the nearer distance is the delightful panorama presented by the cascades of the gorge of the Lencone. Mr and Mrs Driver, formerly of Ingerbreck, have been appointed to manage this establishment, which will be fitted up to serve both as a hostelry for excursionists by the tramway and as a pleasant retreat for visitors to the island. By August, however, the railway construction had run into some problems. The Isle of Man Times, dated Saturday, August the 26th, 1893, reports that the opening of the electric railway is further delayed by the difficult and delicate nature of the operations to secure the overhead wire. It has been necessary to alter the lateral position of the insulators, and that affected the sag of the wire feeder, which is an essential factor in the working of the trams. 
When the overhead wires are adjusted, there'll be nothing else to delay the opening of the line. In the meantime, the road skirting the edge of the cliffs is becoming more and more popular, with hundreds of people promenading there daily. Someone else who has a great interest in the Manx Electric Railway is Dave Martin. I asked Dave when his interest started. Um, ever since I was um, in very short trousers, really, it's it's almost always been a part of my life from coming over on holidays here when I was very young in the 1990s. Um, started coming over regularly about 2006 and haven't really kept away since, to be quite honest with you. Why the trams and not the, the steam trains? I think for me, I mean, I know it's a controversial one talking to a, a very major fan of the steam here, but um, <laughs> the the MER really is now unique in the world. It's the last true heritage-only tramway originally made, and it's 130 years old this year. There's a lot of heritage tramways out there that have been restored or remade or modernised. The MER is still doing exactly what it did 130 years ago, so, well, you can't get this anywhere else. So when did you start volunteering? So started originally in 2013. Um, there wasn't actually a lot of volunteer input on the railways before then, but um, thanks to Isle of Man Transport, all the workshop staff, etc., the opportunities opened up little by little, starting with running um, tours around the workshops at Derby Castle. Um, then we came up with some harebrained schemes, such as running um, photographic charters along the line with certain vehicles, to the point then that um, it came to actual full vehicle and tram and trailer restoration um, again joined in by the volunteers and the guys and girls at Isle of Man Transport in the workshops and staff there as well Yeah I was going to say do you, do you get on well with the workshop, the, the full time workshop staff here, there's, there's no um, animosity or anything, they, they, they're quite happy to let you go in? And... A lot of the jobs we do, things like the tours etc are things that it might struggle for the paid staff to do um, I mean they've got very important jobs themselves keeping all these vintage um, Victorian Edwardian tram cars going so we we sort of help along the sidelines so to speak to to allow more things for enthusiasts and locals to to see on the line that they might not otherwise so what's the most satisfying job you've carried out as a volunteer would you think um, I'd like to say all of it, but I suppose you're asking for a specific here. Um, I think the the most recent one for me is in um, the day before this recording was made. Um, we've just took out a new trailer car into traffic from 1894. Um, that's trailer number 19. Some of you may have already seen it. Um, that's been put back into full 1894 condition by, again, the workshop staff and volunteers. Um, and that looks absolutely stunning. It's done full back to day one condition as it arrived on the island back in 1894. And you also run the MER Online Enthusiast group and the Facebook page. So how many people does that generally interact with, and uh, what sort of reach do you think it has? So we've got about 5,000 followers on there at the moment. There's both a website and a Facebook page as well. Um, and as for reach, it's definitely getting into the sort of tens to sort of hundreds of thousands, really, as and when the various enthusiast events on. Um, there's a good mix on, though, sort of historical information, but 
again with the support of the workshop staff etc we get a lot of scoops for information so a lot of photos of trams being um, put back into service um, works and attention being carried out there as well so a lot of people all around the world still like to see how these things are maintained and how they run so we've we've got fans from all over the world and quite a lot of them have actually visited the Isle of Man from as far as Australia America just to ride on the trams and trains. Tell me about the freight stock, because that's, that's something that's really not quite so well uh, recognised, isn't it? Yeah, so we're probably going more for my mastermind subject here, really. Um, <laughs> it's, it's something that very few people know, that the MER, I mean, in its heyday, carried hundreds of thousands of passengers and still does, um, especially during the TT. But also, um, it was vital along the east coast of the island for carrying freight as well. Not something you usually see on an electric tramway. Um, they pretty much had a go at everything. The, um, the railway owned two quarries up near the dune. Um, both are still there. You can still see the remains. So they transported stone. Um, they transported livestock as well. Um, we've specially built vehicles for carrying sheep and cattle. Um, they also had the post contract as well. Um, so the MER conductors were actually qualified postmen and women, and they um, collected the post from alongside the railway, sorted it on the move, and that was done until the mid-1970s. And what, what would be one of the most unusual items that would be transported by uh, tram freight? So there's actually um, a surviving, I think it's 1920s, document of all the different prices, etc., for what you can um, carry on a tram, because I think if they could make money out of you, they probably would do. And one of the strangest ones on there is actually there's a price for a coffin. Now, it does, <laughs> it does look like there was actually a second price that was scribbled out as well, so maybe that's occupied and not occupied. I've, I don't think that's ever been worked out. I think that's lost to history, but the MER, especially when it was the Victorian entrepreneurs running it, if if they could put it on a tram and get some cash out of you for it, they'd they'd have a go. So when did the freight operation stop? It never really has. It sort of died down a lot um, after World War II, um, when a lot of the sort of ex-World War II military vehicles came to the island, um, a lot of the Bedford vans, etc. Um, the post stopped in 1975, but on occasion things are still transported on the MER. Um, only last year, I believe, there were some car parts transported in one of the freight vehicles um, on the back of a service tram. So whilst it's not what it was... Even after 130 years, it is still happening on occasion. Now, I'm going to finish you by asking you uh, th- this question. Uh, above the, the, the tram depot and the, and the car sheds over at Derby Castle, there's that big sign that says Manx Electric Railway. It's fascinated me for years. Dave, what came first, the Manx Electric sign or the Hollywood sign? Now, that I don't know. It's one of the few questions I don't know the answer to. Um, it's nice to think that some little backwater in California was inspired by Douglas. Um, we, we can but hope that was the case. I imagine it was inspired by the Hollywood sign, but if we can say the Isle of Man had it first, I think that's the right thing to do for the show. Passenger services on the Manx Electric Railway between Douglas and Groudle began officially on the 7th of September 1893. This has been the first of a three-part series on the wonderful Manx Electric Railway. To be honest, I hadn't expected to hear of reference points to the RMS Titanic or to the Laurel Canyons of California, but life's a learning, that's for sure. Next week I'll continue both the journey and the story of the MER as it pushed towards Laxey. I'll take a trip to the roof of the island on the Snaefell Mountain Railway and meet up with some more of the people who keep our heritage railways running and some of the passengers that they carry. 
That's next Thursday at 6, here on Manx Radio. Or listen to the podcast online at manxradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.